What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 1776 Podcast. My co-host, Forrest James, and myself, Matthew Guthrie, have on Thomas Gardner today. Thomas is the owner of Hudson's Meat Market, which has been a historic uh, meat processing company here in Austin since, I believe, the 60s. Uh, really well known for their uh, building down on South Congress. Uh, more recently, they've opened up a place out in Marble Falls, but they're a wonderful meat market and wild game processing company. Uh, everyone in town seems to use them from the game wardens to the police to every local hunter I know. You know, Hudson's is the place to go to take your animals and uh, for taxidermy. And, and now they've got quite a selection of wild meat, eggs, chicken, whatever you think of, you can go and buy from them. And so today the owner, Thomas, comes on. He's a really interesting local Austinite, been in Austin forever, uh, owned a sandwich shop at one point, and just had some really fun Austin stories to share with everybody. So I hope you all enjoy. Thomas Gardner, thank you for joining us today and coming in. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'd love to kind of start from the beginning. Growing up in Austin, I want to hear some stories of Cat Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I grew up, uh, I was born here in Austin and grew up, uh, my grandparents have a place over, or had a place over off of Mount Bunnell and Cat Mountain. Uh, my mom and dad lived down off of Brush Country, um, lived here all through, um, like my childhood, it's kind of an elementary school. My parents split. I spent my school year up in uh, Dallas, but then would spend every summer down here. My grandparents uh, owned Bettis TV and Appliance. Uh, I think at the time there were several stores, but the main one was over behind Lamb's Candy over off of uh, Airport. Yeah. That's actually still there, oh, wow, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's one of the few. But, um, yeah, I grew up playing around in that warehouse, uh, you know, had empty you know, refrigerator boxes with packing blankets. I'd, like, jump off the top of the office into this and just, like, try to steal the forklift and just anything <laughs> I could to get in trouble over there. Back then, lambs was a little more, um, I guess they weren't doing as much co-packing, so it was a little more unregulated, so I could, like, mm. sneak in the back door and, like, grab saltwater taffy off of the line. Uh, my grandpa did a lot of their repair work, so I kind of had a, a free... Mm -hmm. uh, Get a jail-free pass. Yeah, I got a little free reign over there, you know, and your grandpa is the one uh, kind of saving the day with some repairs. Uh, they kind of let you come in and mm -hmm. dick around. But, yeah, and, um, they also had a, a houseboat out on Lake Travis. I remember coming in. We'd spend the whole week out on uh, Travis, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just tooling around in the boat and uh, hanging out and swimming. Um back when the water levels were actually up and uh, yeah we had a lake yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but yeah no I, I i loved it here um so i i eventually uh went to school out in lubbock at texas tech um, we'll try not to hold that against you <laughs> <laughs> we'll see here pretty soon uh, i think uh -huh. it's uh the last scheduled game for ut and tech is uh, oh, interesting the day after thanksgiving uh, i think we're my family's gonna all go and uh check that out it's a shame that it's the last game I know. I have a feeling they'll eventually um, schedule stuff, kind of like, I don't remember if they did that with A&M, but I have a feeling that uh, they'll make some of those uh, early season games against some of their old I hope they do. old rivals. I hope so, too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Big 12 and SEC and everything, because mm -hmm. it seems like the Big 12 is just taking on whoever's 
willing, willing to come. To sign yeah. up. It's just like we're we're gonna get the numbers up. We don't uh, care who it is. <laughs> Let's get them in. What's happening? Do you know by chance? Um, what Oklahoma? Are they going to the SEC too? Yeah, they yeah. Okay. I think that was part of like a package deal. I think uh, UT kind of helped them. Uh, I don't know if it's financially or what, okay. but yeah, they're supposed to be changing at the same time. Uh, this next season will be okay. the first season. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd heard that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Hopefully, uh, Oklahoma and UT and A and M all schedule some early season games mm-hmm. with some of the old uh, Big Twelve uh, rivals. Yeah. yeah. So did you come right back to Austin after Tech? No, I moved out to California for culinary school. Um, so at Tech, I did hospitality management out there. Um, moved out to St. Helena, did uh, culinary school at the Culinary Institute of America. Really enjoyed Napa. Um, stayed out there for as long as I could, about a year and a half, almost two years. And uh, just got real expensive to live out there. I think I was working yeah. like two, three jobs. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, man, I'm working a lot, not really enjoying uh, you know, all the beautiful nature mm-hmm. and wineries and all this stuff out there. So a buddy of mine, um, or actually a few of my friends from college, when I moved to California, they moved up to Breckenridge um, and some of them to Vail. And I was like, you know what? That wouldn't be too bad. When I was living in um, um, in Napa, we'd go a lot over to um, Reno and mm-hmm. hang out, do there, go go skiing at Tahoe. And I was like, you know what? I could, I, I could live in a ski yeah, resort for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, um, worked in Vail for – I. For me, I was I was gonna move out there. I was like, man, I'm just gonna live here for a season or two, move back to Texas, and I ended up living there for like six and a half years. Uh, <laughs> finally, I looked around. And I was just like, all right, like be some ski resort burnout. I, 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 I got to figure something out. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I loved living up there. Got um, got to do a little public land hunting up there. Um, skied. I had a, a motorcycle I'd ride in the summertime because once you leave west out of Vale. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just not yeah. a whole lot until you get to Grand Junction. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I loved it up there. It's it's beautiful. Um, yeah, we've been up hunting up there a few times since, and uh, have some family in Durango that uh, we still get a chance to go up there and go skiing a few times. But um, yeah, so after that, I moved back to Texas um, and was working in Dallas for a little while. Um, what were you doing there? Um, I was executive sue at the Crescent Hotel, okay. and then I did a little bit of work with um, the mansion on Turtle Creek, mm-hmm. um, but as Rose, Rosewood Resort, um, worked with them for a few years, and then um, got the opportunity. They were wanting to transfer me and was looking at going to either Vancouver or New York, which are very different. Yeah. <laughs> And then when I started looking into it, I was like, okay, well, if I move to Canada, I'm going to have to pay uh, double the tax. And uh, Vancouver is not the cheapest uh, mm-hmm. cheapest place to live by any means. So ended up um, st- – actually, it's just started dating my now wife, and she was uh, in the process of uh, getting ready to go to NYU for her master's. So I was like, well, why don't I, why don't I just go to New York and kind of see what happens with this? So – Moved up there, uh, worked at the Carlisle Hotel as the exec sued there for, I guess, a year and a half, almost two years. So oh, up wow. until this point, you were basically a chef. You've been a yeah. chef your whole life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. for my so, whole life. Um, yeah. yeah, I started cooking um, around Lubbock in, uh, in college, and I really enjoyed it. Um, 
changed my major to hospitality management because like this mm-hmm. seems more my speed. Uh, I think I was really enjoying the uh, the lifestyle of uh, you know working in the service industry yeah. a little too much. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and that's why uh, I guess it was my senior year of college. Um, I was kind of looking, like, man, I need to get a job or I got to do something. And uh, one of my friends was like, "Hey, you need to check out this culinary uh, program." So I was like, "All right, I can go." To do a little more school, extend mm-hmm. this uh, ride for a little bit longer. And, uh, yeah, I ended up going to St. Helena uh, with him and uh, really enjoyed it. So kept, you know, kind of working in the industry, cooking, um, just kind of taking that wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, in that industry, I guess, you know, to kind of move up, you got to move around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, you, if you're willing to move, you can uh, definitely – advance and kind of help your career a little mm-hmm. bit more I, I still have a buddy that's still doing it i think he's up in martha's vineyard and then has moved around to colorado is working at the stanley hotel for a little while Very from cool. the shining mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i got to visit with him uh, one year that they have their uh, big halloween party at the mm-hmm. stanley and they like dress the whole place up oh wow just like the shining <laughs> yeah it's really cool it, it's a really cool thing and they're kind of out near estes so it's mm. It is pretty remote out there. And that's right on the edge of the National Park, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah it sure is. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's in the wintertime. It's it's real rough uh, yeah. getting up there. But I stayed a few nights in the KOA campground in Estes Park there. Oh, right on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. when I was in uh, college, did a um, two-week uh, backpacking trip through Estes. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They still had um, one of the... Uh, Upper Lake still had a big glacier in the middle of it. I oh, think wow. it's long gone by now, but that was really cool getting to kind of just come across this mountain peak and you look down and there's just this beautiful blue uh, lake with just this giant, wow. like almost tooth looking glacier sitting in the middle of it. Very cool. But yeah. So New York sounds like you were what, probably mid to late 20s by the time you made it to New York? Yeah, I think mid 20s. Um, yeah, I'd always wanted to either cook in New York or Chicago. I was like, you know, before, uh, you know, I, I knew eventually I'd probably get out of the industry just because it is a is a young man's game for the most part, unless you uh, really get one of those, you know, very nice kind of corporate gigs. But, um, yeah, so I moved up there, um, stayed with Rosewood Hotels, worked for the Carlisle, which is a really cool experience. They have uh, the Cafe Carlisle there where Woody Allen plays with his, like, Dixieland jazz oh, wow. band. Uh, I think it was once a month. Um, so I'd kind of, you know, put out service and then go sneak up there and listen <laughs> to all yeah. the Did you acts. meet some pretty cool people there? Yeah. Um, uh, man, we had all kinds. Of, we had the Rolling Stones. I think it was on their, like, 50 Licks tour came through. Wow. Um, uh, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, um, got to meet Tom Selleck. I was actually, uh, I'd gone up to the bar to talk with the bartender about some stuff, and I feel somebody come, like, stand next to me. I look over, and it's just this towering <laughs> guy, and I was like, you're you're Tom Selleck. And he's like, yep, I am. <laughs> Big mustache, everything. I think he was, uh, I think he's actually staying in the hotel uh, uh, doing Blue Bloods up there in New York, okay. uh, the TV show, but... Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people came through there. Um, you know, Tobey Maguire, like, I think a lot of them, a lot of those actors and actresses have, like, special diets. So I'd have to go meet with them or their nutritionist and, like, figure out what mm-hmm. we're going to feed them while they're there. But, yeah, the Carlisle was a really cool, uh, really cool experience. It's a very historical uh, building. I mean, um, 
It's actually a Netflix special, I think, with Bill Murray from a few years ago. I think it was during COVID that oh, uh, shows all of, uh, like, kind of the back of the house. It's kind of, I forget who else is with them, but it, it's a really cool mm-hmm. uh, kind of Carlisle uh, Netflix special. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed working there, and I really enjoyed New York. Just the food scene up there is yeah. great. I mean, any time of day you can go find something. I'm very glad I got out of there before COVID, but... How'd you make it back to Austin? What was the transition there? Um, my fiance at the time uh, and my wife uh, had just graduated NYU and was starting to look around for jobs. And uh, she was doing museum studies. She got her master's in museum studies and a lot of limited uh, selection of jobs up there that uh, pay you know enough to live in New York. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at that and. Um, uh, Rosewood had just changed ownership, um, so I kind of found myself in several rounds of interviews uh, mm-hmm. for my own job, and I was like, man, I'm I'm not about this. Like, I've done a really good job for y'all, and I'm here interviewing for my job, so we kind of started looking around, and uh, I was like, man, I'm just ready to get back to Texas, so we looked at a few things in Dallas, but I was like, I really want to move back to Austin, so... I think uh, we both kind of agreed and uh, packed up and uh, took the long journey in the U-Haul yeah. to get back to Austin. Yeah, we. Uh, what year was that? Was that 2011, 12? Somewhere yeah. around there, yeah. Um, I remember moving back, and it was like one of the hottest summers we had had up, up until last summer, actually. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been 2011. I, I think so, that, yeah. yeah. I was just like, even my... Uh, my wife Barbara was just like, "Why did we move back here again?" I was like, "I know, I know, but you know, you get you have some other seasons eventually." But <laughs> I was selling snow cones that summer. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good summer to sell snow cones. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty brutal. But now we we're happy to move back. Um, I kind of bounced around from a few jobs and uh, eventually landed um, helping open the uh, uh, Whole Foods up at the Domain. Um, kind of working in the kitchen there and working oh, different parts of uh, that. And um, that was kind of where I landed for a little while. And that was when I decided, I was like, all right, I've, I've got to get out and work for myself. Like, I'm, I'm tired of working these corporate jobs, mm-hmm. working uh, for somebody else. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I never really had any trouble finding work until I moved to Austin. I was just like, all right, for some reason, like, the restaurant scene here just isn't vibing with the uh, – what I'm looking for. So I ended up opening a little sandwich shop uh, called Republica Sandwich over off of uh, North Loop in Hancock. Mm-hmm. It's right there across from uh, Fonda San Miguel. Um, ran that for a couple years, and it it was great. I loved it. Um, I still, like, reminisce about, you know, maybe going back and doing that yeah. one day. My, all my buddies and my, my wife are just like, I would love to have the sandwich shop back, but... No, like that's just too much. You're already working enough. But um, yes, that actually afforded me the opportunity um, to meet Barrett Klein, who owned Hudson Meat Market. Um, we just starting to get we started to get real busy with the sandwich shops. So I was looking to see if I could uh, outsource some of the meat production. You know, we we're making our own bacon, ham, all that oh, sort wow. of stuff. Um, so I met with him. It never really worked out with him making our stuff, um, but he kind of. Um, hinted it he's like hey i've got this contract with a um an agent but whenever that expires like really be interested to talk to you about uh, hudson's and 
eventually that expired. We started, you know, he disclosed me as looking to sell and it took us several months to kind of work out the deal and get it all done. But I took that over, um, what was that? I guess six and a half years ago now. So yeah, July, but that's awesome. So for folks who don't know, you know, Hudson's to me is probably the most iconic meat market. Anyone I talk to that hunts, you know, normally is Hudson's is the place that they're dropping off and you have the, you know, I don't know if it's technically historic. To me, it is on South Congress, you know, it, the old uh, building that's been there. It feels like it should be. Yeah, it's been there <laughs> since 1969. I, uh, <clears throat> it was Hudson Meat Market, then it was briefly Stewart's Meat Market, and then the Hudson family took it back over. Um, but yeah, they've they've been operating there for a long time. I mean, it's, it at the time when they were there, it didn't really look out of place. Uh, you know, South Congress was a lot more industrial. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a little bit of a seedier side of town. And then, obviously, over the years, that's a whole is transformed. And, uh, you know, what it is now with them developing down there at the Statesman property and Music Row, it's, um, you know, slowly, slowly bleeding out all the locals. And you see all these national brands moving in. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's great being there. I, I love the location. It, it's cool having uh, something like that kind of still in the heart of Austin. And, I do uh, chuckle a little bit. You know, I was down there with Forrest. He was dropping off an elk or something. I'm sitting there and, you know, you're a meat market. You get your typical hunters coming in there all the time. We're picking up elk. And then you look out and there's like, you know, a green haired mohawk walking by. And so yeah. to me, it's, it's <laughs> that's so that's so Austin, though. That's what Austin is, is you have the artist people walking by and there's a meat market with, you know, hunters in there dropping off elk and bear. And so I'm curious though, as Austin's grown and expanded, um, being a meat market right there, I mean, do you get any sort of flack from that? I mean, is there any sort of pushback? Has there been any drama? Um, when I first took over, we would uh, have protesters from PETA there every now and again, but you know, they had come and protest for a couple hours and then kind of disappear. We're but, out. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, I, I think, uh, what was it? One of my first years there, we've, you know, it's Sunday, we've got a line trying to get everybody through, dropped off, and um, it was backed up to Congress, and there's uh, this SUV with a little basket on the back with probably three white-tailed deer just, like, you know, toe-strapped down to the yeah. deal, and this, and it's kind of blocking the sidewalk, so I'm trying to get it moved, and uh, this lady walks by with a stroller and just, like, this should be illegal. Like you can't do this in downtown. And I was like, well, we've been doing it in downtown for, you know, a few decades. So I was like, you know, we're trying to get you moved or, you know, I apologize. And she's whips out the cameras, taking photos and says she's going to report me. And I was like, all right, just do do whatever you do, whatever you got to do. Um, I was like, well, hell half, half the people who you're going to report me to are probably, uh, and the police force are probably hunters with us yeah, anyway. Exactly. Customers here. Yeah, we have, <laughs> we have so many of uh, a APD that drops off with us. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a weird juxtaposition of um, kind of you know more of the hill country, uh, you know, meeting kind of the weirdness of Austin. Um, yeah, with like June's right across the street, so you got these people paying high dollar uh, you know lunches, looking at the meat market mm-hmm. with just like trucks full of deer and elk uh, <laughs> coming by. But yeah, I agree. I think it's something that kind of makes Austin a little more unique in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's sad to see some of that disappearing, but um, you know, I'm glad we can still uh, hold the line a little bit Absolutely. down on South Congress. <laughs> I've got great memories pulling down South Congress with the 
parents 98 suburban with the basket on the back <laughs> with three or four deer piled up and getting all sorts of looks as we pulled in but oh yeah yeah i'm yeah. sure yeah it's uh it's funny how the south congress now kind of extended down to us um you know with before all that stuff was kind of more uh, farther north of us but with torchies and more stuff coming uh, south of us it uh it seems like we're kind of more in the heart of it now mm-hmm. than we were before I know y'all recently, or not so recently, for several years now, expanded, have another location out in Marble Falls. Yeah, so we took over uh, Hill Country Fine Meats in Marble Falls. Um, was that, I guess that was uh, 2018, I think. Um, we've been out there about five years. Um, it's been going great. Um, I think it, it's just another opportunity um, for uh, deer, you know, our customers to have another uh, spot to drop off with us a little closer out to the hill country. Um, you know, we were recognizing that in Austin, it's getting backed up. We only have the one location. You know, we do what we can to take it in, but kind of the geography of the location doesn't really allow us to do a whole lot. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we're starting to look out in Fredericksburg. Um, one of my vendors was like, we well, should really consider Marble Falls. And we had uh, – family friends out there so it's kind of looking around uh, there's a couple properties listed but i like that this one was already a meat market he did uh kind of small scale deer processing out there so it was really cool um it kind of had all the equipment had the kind of hill country vibe uh you know mm-hmm. the um you know limestone front of the building just kind of a little rustic look to it um so we actually uh, partnered with Wildlife Designs Taxidermy. They took over half the building, and we took over the other half. Um, so we kind of pair out there pretty well with um, having access to taxidermy for our customers. Um, they do really good work, and then also being able to drop off your deer, pick up steaks, poultry, anything out there. But um, yeah, Wildlife Designs has been great to me over the years. Same with Hudson's. It's been a go-to. Easy drop off at the nice. same spot, get them out same yep. spot it's all well, we appreciate that yeah um yeah they do a good job out there we're actually um in the process of expanding uh for those of you uh listeners who drop off out in marble falls they'll see this year there's a big three thousand square foot building in the back uh eventually be a two-story building uh to help us with deer processing out there um help turn around time a little bit and then provide us some cold storage uh awesome. in-house yeah yeah it's it's nice. I mean, we, we've loved Marble Falls. It's uh, grown leaps and bounds in the five years we've been there. Um, you know, I think COVID helped us find a lot of customers out there with uh, that HEB kind of struggling. I think most of the grocery stores struggle out there to kind of keep up with, you know, everybody at home now. So I think it um, allowed a lot of people to start looking out elsewhere and say, hey, there's other meat markets or other places I can get all this stuff. And uh, luckily we've been able to retain a lot of that customer base. Um, I think it's real important uh, just for kind of our food, uh, food supply to have more of these uh, places like Hudson's, you know, absolutely salt and time, like little meat markets we have that work with a lot of local ranchers. So, you know, allows us to bring in stuff from uh, not from the big box, uh, you know, Kansas city guys. So, um, just another outlet for people to find meat and uh, find local interesting uh, you know, items. It was nice to hear the business picked up during COVID and y'all actually gained more customers because you heard so many horror stories of businesses getting shut down and not able to operate during COVID. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was uh, pretty rough at the first uh, few months. We saw a lot of our wholesale orders either 
drop dramatically or get canceled altogether. Um, just because a lot of the business we do wholesale is through distributor uh, distributors like uh, U.S. Food, Cisco, Buckhead. Um, so they're serving restaurants, um, you know, directly. And if we're not getting orders from them, that means or- restaurants aren't ordering from them. So yeah, it took a little time for people to kind of find, you know, the, all right, we'll do takeout or we'll modify this. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty rough, um, you know, it. It definitely uh, changed how we operate. We we moved a lot of our stuff to online so we could uh, serve our you know walk in business a little bit better. Um, people would just order online. We could bring it out to their car. They could just come in and order. Would y'all do any shipping on dry, with dry ice? Yeah, yeah. We've um, we've always done shipping uh, for deer processing, but um, yeah, during COVID, I I was in the process of working on building out an online market um, with our website and. When it hit, I was just like, all right, I guess uh, go this, this is the week. So I don't think I have a good understanding of what all you do. So if I don't, if I'm you know not a hunter and I'm just looking to buy meat, what all do you have to offer in that situation? So our Marble Falls is a full-service meat market. They've, uh, they've got a little more retail space than we do in uh, Austin. So um, pretty much anything they carry, we do carry in Austin. We just don't have it out. Mm-hmm. But Marble Falls is, you know, Pork, beef, chicken, anything you think of. You can call up, say, hey, I need a chuck roast, you know, for this weekend, and they'll cut it for you. Um, But, yeah, out there, it's a full-service meat market. Same with Austin. Um, We just have a little different clientele. Because we're on uh, Congress, we get a lot more um, foot traffic from, uh, you know, out-of-towners, visitors. So we have a little more, like, ready-to-eat, like jerky, Jerky, snack sticks, stuff like that. I've slowly been building out, like we offer steaks, uh, chicken, all of that kind of stuff in the Austin location. Um, we do all of our wholesale processing there. Um, so there's just a little bit less space in the retail area, but we've slowly been building that out. And, um, you know, you call up and we can get ribs, briskets, whatever you want okay. for a cookout. Um, but yeah, so our Austin location is where we do all of our USDA processing and most of our deer processing. And then Marble Falls is more of a storefront, and then they do some of the deer processing there. So I don't, I don't know much about meat markets. I mean, I went with him to drop off some animals, and it kind of just clicked all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, yeah, so you're a hunter. You, you know, kill a deer. You quarter it. You bring it in. I mean, so just break we break it down as super simple. I know nothing about hunting, meat markets, anything. I mean, what's the yeah. process? I'm brand new hunter. I mean, how does this work exactly? So um, you bring it to us. I um, mean, either skin it and quarter it, bring it in. Um, some people bring them in just field dressed. So we'll skin it for you. Um, take care of any taxidermy through wildlife designs. Uh, we, you know, kind of make that uh, pretty easy. Um and then uh, basically we break down the deer, you know, give you all your whole muscle stuff, whether you want steaks, roast, jerky, whatever whole muscle stuff you're looking for. And then you kind of go through our menu and just select, say, hey, I want, you know, jalapeno cheese links, some buck sticks, and uh, some breakfast sausage. We split all that up for you, uh, package it, and um, same packaging we use for, like, our USDA products. It's all vacuum sealed, labeled. Uh, frozen and put into a box so okay you come in you drop off your deer a few weeks later you come pick it up and you stock your freezer up with you know 
whatever you're looking for. So if I had, if I shot a whitetail and dropped it off and they said, you know, how, what do you want out of this? I'd say, I have no idea. Um, so coming from you, <laughs> you know, you've been, you've been, you know, chef your whole life and own Hudson's. If you had a whitetail and you dropped it off, what are you check? What boxes are you checking? Uh, so for me, I normally do the back straps. I, I, I cook a lot of steaks and like chicken and stuff at the house. So normally when it comes to deer, uh, especially whitetail, it's all about stuff that's real easy to prepare. Um, so I'll usually do our back straps and like smoked and peppered. So we like cure it like a ham, um, pepper it and fully cook it. So it's really nice for just like, you know, hey, you're having a few people over, bring it out, slice it up, throw a little cheese on the board, you got a little appetizer. He used to always get into the steaks and they just sit in the freezer and like half the time I was like, I don't want any white tail steak. So I do it this way, slice it up and I mean, half the time people don't even know it's venison. Yeah. You know, you tell them and they, you know, people enjoy it and they think it's great. But um, yeah, it's nice to have something like that where it's a little easier. Um, so usually that, uh, tenders, um, I usually either grind them depending on how big they are, but keep them whole and just kind of, uh, you know, cook them up and then I, this is a product that has grown on me over the years is our fajitas. Um, I used to get, you know, a pound or two, and now I'll turn both of my hams into fajitas because it is the first thing to disappear at our house. Venison like, fajitas? Yeah. I never even heard that yeah. was even possible. You yeah, know? so we'll take the um, uh, just a nice roast out of the white tail, um, slice them kind of, um, you know, on a bias uh, so you get, like, nice pieces, and then uh, just use a... a a nice fajita recipe that's been with Hudson's for years and it has a little bit of um, like pepine in there to help break down the muscles. So it's super tender, um, great flavor. Like, you know, I'll cook it up and do like taco salad night with, you know, venison uh, fajita. And it's, I mean, it disappears. Like I think um, we, I was with Forrest a few, a couple months ago and had an elk and I think I've almost gone through a whole, uh, whole, uh, a rump of uh, fajitas on that elk already. And I was like, I mean, I it just disappears so fast. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then usually just depending on the hunter, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him and say, you know, do you love a lot of hamburger? Um, you know, you can use hamburger, uh, make tacos, um, meatballs, you know, kind of whatever you can think of that you'd use ground meat in. Um, some are like, nope, I don't cook at home at all. So, all right, well, let's get you some sausage and <laughs> some more stuff that's yeah. a little easier to cook. Um, but yeah, I'd say um, for us, you know, our our sausage is really where um, you know we're the most known for. Um, I think the jalapeno cheese sausage, our regular, our garlic are all super popular. Those are those are my favorites uh, by far. Um, and then we kind of do like a country style breakfast sausage uh, so it's similar to like a jimmy dean or something mm -hmm. like that um that's nice because it has really good seasoning we mix it with pork um so it kind of cuts down on the gaminess adds a little fat to it uh makes it a little more easy to eat i mean you know my my wife and i first uh, got married she was like i don't i don't like venison i hear that so, a lot from my girlfriends the same yeah, way yeah, I'm like, I, well, I, I said like, okay yeah. okay so I'd start by taking ground meat and making tacos, you know, and you put taco seasoning everything in there. She's like, oh, this is great. I was like, all right, cool. Baby so steps. I, yeah, so I just kept <laughs> doing it, and finally she caught me. I was uh, taking the, you know, as the uh, venison or the uh, Hudson Meat Market, kind of our deer processing logo on there, and she's like, is that deer? I was like, yeah. She goes, oh, I don't want that. And I was like, well, that's like five times you've had taco salad. <laughs> it's been with uh, – you know, whitetail mixed with beef. And she's like, 
really? I was like, yeah. I was like, let me just make it. If you don't like it, yeah. whatever. And, you know. Sounds like she uh, took that pretty well. Yeah, though. exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, so now uh, it's just kind of funny now because I was, I was doing something with uh, some of the elk we had and we had some friends over and she's like, oh, I love, I love deer meat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, chuckling. you know what, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to enjoy the fact that uh, this is where we're at. Um, she switched teams. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, but I think there's just so much of it, uh, there's kind of no option in the house. Yeah. Um, what percentage of your business is wild game processing versus the wholesale side? I'd say it's about um, half and half. Um, you know, kind of three aspects of the business are wholesale, providing um, distributors, restaurants, hotels with uh, sausage, steaks, um, all the different stuff we do on the wholesale side. Um, deer and wild game processing, which we do year round. So, I mean, the majority of it's done through rifle season. We get a, a fair amount of MLD and exotics on the either side of the What's season. What's MLD? Uh, managed land, I forget what the D stands for, okay. but um, it's basically you work with uh, the Texas Parks and Wildlife um, as, a, as a private landowner. Um, they come in with a wildlife biologist, say, hey, you know, we're going to help you manage your whitetail population out here um, to keep a healthy population for the vegetation and water you have available. You need to take, um, you know, 10 doe and two bucks this year, just for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, the larger amount of land you have, you may, I mean, I have some customers that are like, yeah, I have to take 112 doe and Holy 14 cow. bucks this year. Um, and a lot of them have several owners or they'll work, um, you know, with, with people to come and help take some of that. But, um, yeah, managed land kind of lets you, um, hunt with an extended season on either side um it's mainly kind of before season but um part of that as well is um like the lcra and uh, texas parks and wildlife help uh manage um like the airport any of the lcra land along the colorado um any state parks anything like um that that's owned by the uh, the county or the state um, they'll go out and help manage that population. That's how we keep uh, CWD, chronic wasting disease, down. Um, it just encourages a healthy population. Um, you know, as we've gotten rid of a lot of the predator species, because, you know, it's great for wildlife to have coyotes and all these predators. It's not so great for landowners and, mm -hmm. you know, residents to, you know, especially like, like we were talking about earlier out in Cap Mountain. Like, that used to be you know, just covered in um, mountain lions, um, just, you know, all kinds of uh, wildlife. And That's right, and down, too. Yeah, yeah, and as it's been developed, um, I, mean, I remember uh, my grandparents have or had a pretty good property there that was on a arroyo, which is a dry creek bed with a, a big, um, like, Mount Benel behind them. And we'd be sitting on the back deck, and you'd see at night the little game trails. You'd see mountain lions coming down through That's there. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, that's the kind of thing that keeps the deer moving, um, and keeps a healthy population. So without that, um, you know, obviously people don't want mountain lions mm -hmm. roaming around in their backyards. So as we've gotten rid of that, um, deer become more stagnant, obviously overpopulate. And there's only some with droughts and stuff that we've been having. There's only so much, uh, a population that the, the land can support. Mm -hmm. So 
That's fascinating. I think I pulled you on that tangent, though. Thank you. But you're saying three aspects to the business. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. And I uh, pulled you off on that. But thank you. That was great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, getting back to that, I guess, you know, deer and wild uh, process, game processing is a big one. We do um, whitetail, axis, elon, meal guy. I mean, you name it. We've probably processed it. Um, and then we also do direct to consumers, so retail. Um, we have an online uh, website, uh, HudsonMeatMarket.com. You can kind of see a wide variety of what we have. Um, have some different offerings in store, just with shipping and everything. But yeah, you can either order online or come in store. Um, we've been, really been trying to grow that. I think um, you know, as Austin's grown, um, not as many people know about all these different places that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, H-E-B is great, but there's, you know, other people out there to, you know, get your meats from and see a little different variety. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that's kind of a smaller aspect of the business. But um, the Marble Falls store, I think, is definitely a, a lot more based on the uh, retail. It, it's great that uh, community out there, Horseshoe Bay and Marble Falls, has really uh, supported us and watched us grow out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Where are you sourcing your meat? So if I was to come by, you know, we could, Forrest and I like to call it Moo Cow, but yeah. if I was come by Moo Cow from you, or what's the other one for elk? What is, is Moo Cow and what's the other one? Moo Cow. That's just Moo Cow? I thought, I thought there was another one, but, uh, oh, I guess it's the cow elk and then Moo Cow. So, yeah. um, but if I was to come in and buy some Moo Cow steak from you, uh, where would you source that meat from? Um, a lot of it comes from uh, San Angelo. We work with um, Pack Quality Foods out there. Um, they source uh, a lot of it from Texas. Like we worked with MTX Beef for a while. Um, some of it does come from Kansas, but we really try to source it all locally when we can. Um, right now, beef pricing is just insane, so we kind of scramble to find different suppliers. Um, all of our poultry comes from... Um, uh, Nixon, Texas. It's Holmes Chicken. Uh, they're by far the best chicken I've I've had. Um, they're a small processor down there. It's nice that that they've grown so much. It's a little harder to get product from them, but um, it's all free range. They uh, raise their chickens like a natural size, so you'll see all their whole chickens are you know two and a half, three pounds instead of these all the bloated stuff. Yeah, we get so in the these store. pumped yeah. up like you know mini turkeys you see at the grocery <laughs> mm-hmm. store. Um, so yeah, they they've been great as a supplier. Um, we get all of our pork uh, from Seaboard. Um, it's in Guyman, Oklahoma. Um, we get their like all natural uh, line, um, but. Great Duroc hogs. Um, use a lot of that in our sausage, but then we also make bacon, hams, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then most of our wild game, um, like alligator from Florida, we get um, our uh, elk. Uh, a lot of it comes from Canada or North America, um, kind of like Wyoming, Idaho area. So I can um, come in and buy elk from you? Yep. So yeah. I thought the laws, and I guess it's it's You're, farmed elk, correct? Yeah, so, it's yeah. farmed. Okay, yeah. so that's the laws. They're they're able to high, basically high fence ranch operations with the elk, right? Okay. So, so the deer and wild game processing. You bring me a deer, we process that and give it back to you. So I, I legally can't sell that. Let's say you say I don't want my order. I can't take that and throw it up in retail. Um, you know, we either have to figure out other outlets. We work with the Hunters for the Hungry, so every year we donate a few thousand pounds of um, wow, some of the donated uh, whitetail and mule deer. It's a lot more whitetail and mule deer, but um, 
we donate a few thousand pounds to a Central Texas Food Bank, and they distribute it to local, um, you know, shelters and nonprofits. Um, but yeah, so anything you bring in is uh, processed and given back to you. All of the stuff that we sell in retail is uh, processed either through state inspection or USDA inspection, or some of it comes from. New Zealand or Canada, and they have federal inspection there. You don't see as much of that in the U.S. because um, it's referred to as a non-amiable species, um, so they're not processed under USDA normally. You'd have to have a USDA inspector come in, pay them overtime. Um, it's a little more um, of a process and a little more expensive, and a lot of those um, game breeds just don't have the yield on them that you see out of, uh, you know, commercial cattle um so it's it's a lot more expensive um a little harder to get but um it is out there yeah so very we, interesting yeah we do a lot of ground venison um elk steaks elk jerky um we started carrying a lot more um bison um we were working with oro bianco out of blanco for a little while on doing some water buffalo oh, wow. um yeah we're carrying Gosh. that off and on yeah it's really cool they've um, we do a lot of processing for them for hot dogs and stuff for um, uh, their food venues and kind of work with them, uh, get on some of that water buffalo. It, uh, all that wild game, it seems to move a lot in the holidays. We're kind of getting into the season mm-hmm. where people are like, man, I'm tired of serving, uh, you know, bone-in ribeye or, you know, rib roast or turkey or whatever. They're like, let's get in a bison tenderloin or uh, elk steak or do something a little mm-hmm. different. So. You see seafood ever in the future of Hudson's um, We actually business? worked with, uh, started working with Austin Seafood um, and a little bit with Heritage Seafood uh, and have started bringing in salmon and stuff to our Marble Falls store. Gotcha. Um, we bring in a little bit in the Austin store. We're just so kind of cramped on space. We just haven't really um, ventured into that. We're kind of still working on um, kind of uh, making a more robust offering in the um, Austin store. Gotcha. Um, just so much of that is tourist traffic that it's just like, you know, they'll come in and get their pound of jerky and all that kind of stuff. But um, slowly the community's kind of uh, remembering that we're there and coming in, grabbing steaks, grabbing poultry, eggs, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, we've, we've definitely started moving into that in our Marble Falls store. Um, whenever I, we took over Hill Country Fine Meats, um, decided the taxidermy is on now was actually his seafood market. So gotcha. he had a seafood market, um, sold quite a bit, but uh, yeah, we're kind of trying to move back into that and uh, do a little bit more of that in Marble Falls. Awesome. Yeah, I would love it. Yeah. Love some more seafood options. Wild caught seafood that's sourced right. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, been working with Ben McBride a little bit at Heritage Seafood. Um, kind of need to revisit with him on bringing some stuff in the Austin store. But he uh, mainly, I think, or exclusively, all of his seafood is from the Gulf um, in Texas. And it's, it's great seeing that. So you'll see drum, snapper, all this stuff. Uh, from Texas, shrimp, everything that yeah. um, you know, you don't have to worry about getting all those like Filipino shrimp and all that kind mm. of uh, you know stuff that's been shipped overseas for months and months. Instead, you get it straight up from the coast and uh, eating nice local seafood. And you mentioned eggs. I didn't realize you guys did that. So those you know farm raised or yeah, yeah. Or so um, we were working with a few local, um, like just small kind of home. Uh, you know, uh, 
egg producers. This summer killed a lot of that. Um, there was a, a little bit of a, a poultry flu going around that kind of made it a little harder. And then when the drought hit and with, uh, you know, being a, over 100, a lot of those guys just dried up. So we found a um, producer outside of, uh, I think it's actually a veteran-owned uh, producer outside of uh, Dallas called Cedar Ridge. Um, and it's all free range, uh, local Texas uh, raised eggs. So we started bringing them in. Um, they've been great to work with. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've definitely tried to offer more and more at the meat market of, um, you know, kind of a one-stop shop of eggs, cheese, mm -hmm. just anything you can think of. Very cool. Yeah. I want to hear some stories about people bringing in ridiculous animals. I know there has to be, you know, one, like what's the craziest, if you think back, top five coolest animals, you know, that list and also mixed with what has someone brought you where you're like, I am not touching that. <laughs> yeah, on the, on the not touching it, we do get every once in a while people who have uh, come across a deer in their car and mm. uh, think they're going to bring it to us. And <laughs> For one thing, it's very easily noticeable right away. It's just like... A little road rash. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this guy's had a rough day. Um, the license plate stuck on the side yeah, of the deer. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so we, we at both locations have a pretty big sign that we don't accept, uh, you know, roadkill or anything like that. But uh, every once in a while, people try to try to pass that off on us. And uh, we're just like, no, nope, you have to go elsewhere. Figure this out yourself. Do Besides, people show up with deer whole, just shot and not cleaned yeah every once in a while um sometimes people i'm just like man you really should have field dressed this out in the field um real quick field dressing just to correct me if i'm wrong is that basically you're just taking the guts out the yep. stomach intestines take yeah. it, you cut it down the middle pull that out and then you yeah can bring basically it you're just leaving the hide and um the carcass okay. um so yeah you're, you're gutting it so as soon as you uh harvest or kill a deer you want to do that right away um that's where most of the heat is from. That's where most of your biological contamination is going to come from. Um, so you want to get all of that out. Do as good a, a job of cleaning as you can. If you have the facility, give it a good you know, hose out. Um, you're trying to get all that bacteria out of the cavity so you can prolong the, um, you know, the meat as long as possible. Um, so that's a really good way to do it because when the hide's on, it's protecting that meat. Um, so the second you take that hide off, you're exposing it to any sort of bacterial contamination that's on that hide or in the basket or cooler that you're putting it in. Um, so we like getting them in that way. We usually have a little bit longer to get it skinned and get it processed, but we, you know, we'll take it in quartered as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, getting back to kind of some of the crazy stuff we've seen, I think is one of my first seasons there, uh, we're unloading a game bag, and all of a sudden we get to the bottom of it. it there's just this giraffe leg sitting in the bottom. And I <laughs> the giraffe like, pulled leg. it out, and this guy's like, he, all everything in the bag was frozen. So I think he had just kind of thrown all his you know, meat or whatever. Marks. I was like, I don't know what he had going on there, but uh, I was like, we pulled it out. I was like, I was like, what do you want us to do with this? He's like, oh, I don't know. It's been in my freezer for a while. I'm just like. All right. He goes, can you make something with it? So I think we ended up making, uh, I think we made like summer sausage or something out <laughs> of it. So we made like a giraffe leg summer sausage. I was like, that's that's probably the craziest I've seen. I, you know, and if, if it's here in Texas, it came from a Texas ranch. I Lord knows where it came from, but um, yeah, I think you know none of that is allowed outside of Africa. So, um, 
I was going to say, I know the laws have changed over the past couple of years. It's very hard to get game back from Africa. Yeah, yeah. I think this was uh, probably one of those exotic ranches somewhere gotcha. in the whole country. But, yeah, it was just kind of funny. We were just unloading it. Um, you know, we've seen zebra. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's amazing all the different um, uh, species and what uh, mm-hmm. these game ranches are um, raising out there. But, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the crazier ones we've seen. We've had uh like on the taxidermy side i've had people bring us um like pet rats that they oh wanted to drop oh, off no. for the taxidermist Did you take to them? have it uh yeah luckily um it just so happened that they, they like dropped it off because i was like i can't have that um in the plant because uh, we're usda inspected mm-hmm. so we can't have that in there but luckily they dropped off on a day where we're actually just about to go out to marble falls so i was like all right we'll take it and uh but yeah, the taxidermist, I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to um, do some pets and stuff like that because they, they're one of the fr- few that have a um, freeze dryer because a lot of those, that's how they're um, uh, preserved is in a freeze dryer. So they'll clean the animal out, prep it, pose it, and put it in the freeze dryer, and then you got your pug or whatever Man, having, uh, a, having the pet rat in there that'd be a bad day for an inspection i promise yeah. you this, this was brought in i swear we're gonna stop yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah i guess i don't know what she wanted done with it. i guess they got freeze dried or something that's uh beyond me but yeah no definitely i was like i am not bringing that in the plant that's just gonna cause uh, all kinds of issues but um yeah i mean we see all sorts of uh i see a lot of buffalo every year um a lot of Eland and Neil Guy from down in uh, Central Texas or South Central Texas, um, but yeah, it's it's great. We've got some really good hunters um, bringing all kinds of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that giraffe leg was probably the one that th- threw me for a loop for sure. I've been sitting here thinking, like, what is the story on the other end of that? Like, who is this guy? How yeah. did he get the giraffe leg? I want to know that half of the story, you know? It's Texas. I mean, you know, there's just all kinds of uh, all kinds of people out there. Who knows? Probably just on a game branch or something. But, yeah, it, it was pretty funny. I wish I think he actually had somebody dropping off for him. So it's like, like it's, it's exotic. We don't need yeah. a tag or anything. So, you know. We'll take it and figure it out for you. Your team of skim- uh, skinners in the back that handle all the wild game that comes in, were they with Hudson's when you bought it, or have you had to train them up and build your own team? Um, I had a few guys. Most of the guys that were skinning when I got there are now cutting for me. Um, okay. So we have um, – Do they start as skinners and work their way up to yeah, cutters? I'm curious, like the positions. Some of them you know? do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've definitely had it that way. Um, right now we have a guy who's just kind of um, an amateur taxidermist. So he'll come in and skin for us. Gotcha. Um, I think you know we'll he'll take you know hides and stuff that uh, nobody wants and practice tanning on him. But um, and he he's done a little bit of cutting for us. But I think he's really trying to get into taxidermy. But yeah, usually like out in Marble Falls, normally most of our uh, skinners are just kind of younger guys that uh, hunt a lot and are just looking for. A little bit of work and a little bit of money, uh, you know, outside of hunting and going to school or whatever. It's is, is Hudson's hiring? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Always <laughs> it seems always during deer season. But uh, yeah, we've got some uh, some high school kids out there that are skinning for us. And then in any of the like uh, capes or anything that's going to be taxidermy, one of our more experienced guys uh, do it. But like like we we're talking about earlier with that um, uh, MLD and uh, managed land. Um, 
whenever the Parks and Wildlife or LCRA bring us deer, they bring in like 16, 20 at a time. And they're these scrawny little does that, um, you know, a lot of them have their necks broken or whatever. So you've got to have somebody there that can really make, th- you know, make it through quite a bit of deer um, just to get everything moving. But uh, I'm sure it's I'd, tedious with those little. It is. Deer. And then sometimes you get in those big boys and that's, that's why I'm glad I have those younger guys there to lift them up on the skinning <laughs> table. And uh, I, I, I was doing a lot of it when, uh, when I took over and, uh, I've slowly, as I've gotten older and uh, more tired, I've been like, this is, this is a Young younger man's, man's job. job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After about, you know, 10, 15, uh, those big old bucks, it, it'll take, a, take its toll on you. You know, we use a, uh, a skinning hoist. So a lot of the heavy lifting's done by the hoist, but it's still, still a lot of work to get those, uh, those animals broken down for sure. So the building on, that you have there on, on Congress, are you doing – the whole process from skinning, you know, deboning, I don't know the whole process, but, and then actually cooking and smoking the meat there as yep. well? Yeah, okay. so um, kind of the way it works is uh, during deer season, we receive all the wild game um, in the alley. We have a cooler back there that uh, we store all of the uh, deer meat, um, hanging deer in. Uh, my guys break all that down. Um, when we're done doing USDA processing at the end of the day, we bring all the deer up start packing it um you know kind of the way it works is we'll pack out all the steaks and whole muscle stuff get that in the freezer set aside all the trim for that customer and then as soon as we're kind of in the queue thaw their trim out you know make the sausage make the breakfast uh, summer sausage anything like that hamburger um and then hard freeze it and get it back to them but yeah we do all of it there um i'm working on our marble falls location Part of that addition is so that my guys can pack all the steaks and do a lot of the stuff out there um, to kind of ease up some of the um, strain on my Austin crew. But Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it all gets done there. All the right now, all the stuff from Marble Falls, they'll break it down, wrap it, mark it for that customer. Um, we have a pretty nice um, uh, deer processing software that helps us keep track of um, you know the meat from start to finish. So as oh, soon as you drop off. We tag it. You have a unique number assigned to your deer. Um, we kind of reference that through the process um, to make sure we got everything processed and um, a timely manner and get it back out. Um, that way we make sure you know, when you drop off the deer, you get your deer back. Are there any laws? I mean, how does it work if I was to bring you a whitetail every day? I mean, when are you like, hey, dude? <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, <laughs> so with that, I mean, first of all, there's MLD and like, you know, a lot of those guys can bring us a deer yeah. almost every day. But um, with that, um, when we get a deer in, whitetail or mule deer, um, we'll take the tag. Um, that has to be logged into our cold storage log. But much past that, that's kind of where my liability ends. If, okay. if you've got a tag, um, you know, you give it to us, fill out the cold storage log. Yeah, you're, you're I wash my hands from yeah. there, okay. yeah. And then uh, the game warden comes through a few times a season and, We'll start going through tags. They normally have something they're looking for, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in the process, a lot of times they'll find like a turkey tag that was on a white tail or a mm-hmm. black drum tag that was on a white tail. Um, you know, most of the time that's just an accident, but there are you know occasions out there. Mm-hmm. But we leave that 
for our game wardens to figure out. Yeah. Have you ever caught someone bringing in a whitetail out of season, pretending it's Axis or Black Buck, pretending it's an exotic? No. Um, no, we've definitely had the game warden poke around and, uh, you know, ask about that. But no, we've, we've, um, we've had definitely people call um, to kind of feel us out for whether we'd take it. They're like, oh, I got this whitetail. Like, what do I need? And, you know, the first thing you say is, well, you're going to need to bring the tag in. Oh, never like, mind. What if I don't have the tag? And I'm like, well, then you're going to have a problem dropping it off. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the deer processor, our um, liabilities uh, fairly limited. I mean, we try to do our part um, above and beyond that to make sure that, um, you know, we're taking in stuff that's, you know, in season, properly harvested. Um, but yeah, we, we don't see a whole lot of that. Um, see a lot of access and elk out you know, outside of season, but that's all exotic, so yeah. it's not a big deal. I've seen more kind of crazy stuff that come through through taxidermy. Um, like, uh, people are a little more picky about what they're wanting to have processed and eat. Than, I've um, never had mountain lion. I've never killed one. Um, I've heard it's good. I yeah, don't. I've, I, I don't know. I've never had it either. Um, yeah, I don't know what the, I mean, I, you know, the, I don't know the laws, like, around uh, hunting that or um, processing it. Well, in Texas, they're a varmint. Colorado and Arizona, I believe they're game animals. So oh, okay. Have, you have to have a tag to kill them. Uh, but in uh, Texas, you don't? No. no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have one. I mean, I think the population in uh, central Texas is, I would say, next to nothing. I mean, I think mm -hmm. there's still people who see them out. But, yeah, you don't really see a whole lot of mountain lion in this area anymore. They've gotten very rare. Yeah. I've done a lot of hunting. I've only seen one in person. Really? Uh, that's not true. One in Texas in person. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only ones I ever saw were as a kid up there in uh, Cat Mountain. Right here in Northwest Hills. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we clean pools all over that neighborhood. That's yeah. wild. There's... Well, it's probably good that they're gone uh, out of that area. Um, it's a little sad, but also uh, with how uh, developed uh, that area of Austin's become, it's uh, probably better we don't have any mountain lions out there roaming through. Mm -hmm. uh... That'd be terrifying, cleaning a pool. <laughs> Big old cat coming oh, sure. for a snack. Yeah. Yeah, definitely have to watch your back. Don't put your yeah. earbuds in. Yeah. <laughs> you may or may not be able to answer this question, but I'm curious what type of um, celebrity or well-known people got to come through your office, you know, dropping off animals? Um, you know, the country musician Rick uh, Trevino, he drops off a lot with us. Um, one of my first years there, um, uh, Earl Campbell uh, came through this uh, the guy gets out of the car and he's like would you uh, would you mind coming over to the passenger side to take take an order and I was like yeah sure no problems I'll grab my stuff go over there and look down I was like this man looks really familiar and <laughs> I was like are you uh are you Earl Campbell he just started laughing and he's like yeah he goes that's me <laughs> but yeah he uh I think it just all those years of playing his knees were just shot so he couldn't uh, get oh, out of yeah. the car um but yeah, it was really cool, kind of you know talking a little bit of football with him and uh, getting his order. So he he's dropped off with us a couple years. I haven't seen him in a while, but um, kind of part of the um, story with that, I guess, is uh, Bobby Hudson, um, who started Hudson's. They have some of the older recipes, or like our classics and our Red Hots, which is a very uh, Texas style sausage. It's um, kind of a um, hot gut style. Um, pork and beef sausage stuffed into a red casing. So they call them Red Hots. It's probably one of our spicier sausages. Um, so they've been making that for over 50 years at Hudson's. 
And uh, Bobby claims that that's where um, Earl Campbell got the idea and, you know, tried to use the recipe from Hudson's to uh, do Earl Campbell's famous Red Hots. Uh, they've, uh, they've changed a lot over the years. Fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, back in the day, I grew up eating, you know, Earl Campbell Red Hots. Um, I don't know where he's having a process now, but um, it's definitely a much different sausage and more kind of like an Eckridge kind of a finer grind, um, less kind of home-style sausage. But, um, yeah, we we get uh, quite a few. Um, uh, was it Cliff Kingsbury's brother? Um Texas Tech great mm-hmm. uh, dropped off uh, drops off with us. Um, I think they do a lot of uh, big game hunting like elk and um, and uh, caribou and stuff like that. Um, I don't know why in my head I'm sitting here thinking of like the dude with the draft leg and Matthew McConaughey. I feel like somehow those <laughs> go together. I don't know why, but I don't know. I don't know that Matthew McConaughey is doing a whole lot of hunting. Yeah, um, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, he probably. I think if he wants anything, it, it comes to him. Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably some of our bigger stars uh, that come and drop off with us. Um, but yeah, we we get to see them uh, year after year. But yeah, it's cool. We've got um, a nice little core of hunters that you know bring us stuff every year. Any rattlesnakes? rattlesnakes? Yeah, not for processing. Um, but yeah, a lot of taxidermy. A lot of guys as they're out hunting, uh, especially out hunting hogs, will come across rattlesnakes and want to have like a hat band or you know, so i've eaten rattlesnake several times just everyone says it tastes like chicken it does yeah yeah i've had it uh i've had it a couple times actually uh one of my buddies who's a chef here um in uh, central texas uh chef andy knutson he was just at the texas monthly uh barbecue fest down in uh, lockhart uh, over the past weekend and uh he was working with mill scale um one of the uh, barbecue uh pit builders um, and they were cooking for Daniel Vaughn, the Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor, and they had to cook rattlesnake, possum, and oh uh, armadillo. <laughs> they said that armadillo, armadillo cost them almost three hundred dollars because uh, you know armadillos are notoriously will have um, leprosy. Yep. Um, that's where you can get leprosy from. Uh, way back in the day, you'd read some of those old uh, Texas books. They have leper colonies down in South mm-hmm. Texas, but. Um, so they did all the testing to make sure, like, you know, these are wholesome animals. But, uh, yeah, it was part of their, like, would you smoke it or some sort of podcast or something they were doing down there. But it was pretty cool seeing some photos of that. Um, yeah, they cooked up a rattlesnake. Um, I think they did, I don't know what they did, but a lot of pictures of them with the armadillo shell serving everything in it <laughs> and stuff. It was pretty cool. But um, That's wild. Yeah, I definitely don't see – see a little bit of armadillo for taxidermy um but definitely haven't processed any i don't think we could either it's just uh that would be too worried about getting somebody sick with mm-hmm. uh stuff like that but yeah um we see rattlesnakes every now and again but yeah they they're way more popular for taxidermy and for um clothing and stuff like that yeah what's your favorite game animal to eat um I was lucky enough to get a Neil guy on the King Ranch uh, a couple summers ago, and that was pretty tasty. Um, you know, we just shot an elk out in Colorado. That's probably, I'd say that's probably my favorite. Um, I like the texture of the meat. Um, it's got really good flavor. Um, but, yeah, elk's just kind of, 
Hard to beat. Yeah, it's really hard to beat. Uh, the Neil guy was good, but I'd definitely say Elk. Um, Axis would probably be a close second. Um, that's a very similar, like Axis and Red Stag are very similar to Elk in that regard. Um, a lot of the um, uh, venison that we sell retail in Austin, or actually in both stores, are like a Red Stag Elk hybrid. Um hmm. Yeah, I think I, I'm not sure why they breed those two together. I think it has something to do with the yield on the meat and the temperament of the animal. Um, but it makes it a little easier, I guess, to kind of harvest. And, you know, it's all done on high fence ranches. So, um, but yeah, I'd say elk is probably, probably my favorite. It just the yields on it really good. Um, you get nice big brack straps. Um, you know, it's just a, a nice eating animal. So you've tricked your wife into venison. Have you tricked her into elk, or where is it? Where is she on the rest? Yeah, of the yeah, no, she. Uh, <laughs> she I all think, in. Now? I mean, uh, you know, if you can sell them on whitetail, you can sell them on. <laughs> it's a little easier to sell them on elk. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, if we're cooking up hamburgers or uh, you know any sort of ground meat, it's either elk or whitetail at our house. I was like, what's your what's your personal freezer look like? I'm sure there's a whole well, mix bag in there. Well, it's funny. So I, I uh, got that Neil guy, which yields, I mean, it's actually two. It was a, an older bull and then a, a younger one. And, um, you know, that filled my freezer to the brim. I was giving it away, cooking it, finally got it down. And then this elk trip came up and I was like, well, I've got to get rid of this. So we start cooking it. And, um, Honestly, most of that elk I got uh, in September is still in the freezer at Hudson's. Like, luckily I have access to like a you know two thousand square foot freezer, so my my uh, freezer at home's uh, you know pretty modest, uh, just because it can be. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I'm at work every day. It's pretty easy to just grab a few things uh, from my order there in the freezer. But yeah, now the deer season's here. I've been getting pressure from my guys. They're like. When are you picking up your order? When are you picking up your order? I was like, all right, I'll get it out of here. I'll get it out of here. So when you're cooking a steak or a brisket at home, are you using the equipment at Hudson's, or do you have a Traeger or something at the house? Um, I, so actually I have, um, right now in my backyard, I had uh, Michael Johnson of Syntex Smokers build me. You got a badass one. The most beautiful smoker <laughs> and uh, live fire table that's sitting in my backyard right now. Um, and I've. I've cooked some ribs, uh, some steaks, and a few things. I think uh, Thanksgiving's probably going to come off of that bad boy this year. Um, but before that, I honestly I have like a little Weber kettle grill that I've had for uh, I don't know how many years. Um, and then just like a little, uh, it's like one of those little brick smokers, the like Smoky Mountain kind of deal you find at Academy. I've had that. Um, Ever since I had the sandwich shop, you know, I'd do hams and bacon and pastrami on that. Um, Does that take the wood pellets or the chunks of wood? It takes chunks. I, I think you can do wood pellets in there. Um, I normally get a fire going separate um, with just kind of some chunks, throw it in there, and it has just kind of a fire, um, like a little, uh, you know, fire tray, and then above it a water tray to kind of help with the moisture and help keep the heat down. Um, but that's kind of what I've used as a smoker. But honestly, I usually just do it at, at work now. Um, we're we're doing briskets, um, hams, and stuff like that um, at least once a week for a lot of our wholesale clients. Um, so when the smoker's already fired up, it's pretty easy to just say, you know, nice I'm going to have some ribs. Yeah, it, uh, it keeps me from having to, you know, 
work long hours on the smoker at home over the weekend. And I was like, I just do this at, at work and bring it bring it home. And That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, I already come home smelling like uh, you know a, a barbecue joint, so I was like. I'll just keep that as a work thing. I don't need to do that at home <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine being tired of cooking and smoking meat by the time you get home. Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, uh, so many of our bath towels just have like a lingering <laughs> scent of a campfire to them that, um, you know, you've got to enjoy it because it's not going anywhere. What's your typical day to day like? I mean, are you going between Marble Falls quite a bit? Are you at Congress more? I mean, what's it like? Um, for you? Yeah, I try to go out to Marble Falls at least once a week. Um, I've got a really good crew out there. One of the guys has been here for, he's been working for Hudson's for like 16 odd years now. Um, and Aaron Bryan, he's, he's uh, my lead butcher out there at Marble Falls. Um, and just does a great job of holding it down. So when we were doing the remod or the addition, I was out there fairly often. Um, I'll probably be out there next week, but most of my days are spent in Austin. I usually come in, catch up on emails, do a lot of paperwork, and then usually after lunch, I try to reserve that for actually like, you know, with us being in deer season, I'll do some of the cutting uh, for our retail counter, um, just kind of uh, you know, seeing the day-to-day of just like making sure orders are making it out, all the equipment's working. Solving uh, the problems. Yep, exactly, yeah. Yep, they they say uh, you know like shit rolls downhill, but it it, yeah. it it doesn't feel that way all the time. It's like when there's a problem, it seems to roll uphill. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so just kind of uh, making sure everything's up and going, and making sure my guys can do their jobs. But um, yeah, the, really, what I enjoy is uh, kind of as it gets later in the week. Usually, I use my Thursdays and Fridays to kind of work on new products, um, just kind of mess around with doing ham, pastrami, all the stuff that I, I love doing. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it's nice when I can get to that because that means everything else is running fine, which is a, a rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was it about culinary and cooking that pulled at you? I mean, it seems like that was a love of yours since you were very young. I mean, is there anything you I don't know. Uh, my mom always jokes. She's like, you're the pickiest eater, and I'm, like, one of the worst <laughs> cooks. And I was like, I don't know where this came from. Uh my uh, on my dad's side, my grandparents and my aunt, who are still here in Austin, um, are very much uh, home cooks. They love to cook, so you know whenever I'd be down here in Austin, we'd grill steaks, uh, you know, go out to nice restaurants, stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I just started doing it, and I you know I really enjoy working with my hands, um, and it's just kind of something where you know it's one of the few occupations where what you're doing is going to be ingested by somebody so Mm -hmm. you know it's um a lot of love and care has to be put into that um that you may not see in other industries so i don't know it just always uh um was enjoyable for me to kind of uh, have that ability to you know take raw meat or take raw vegetables or whatever and turn it into this dish that you can share with friends and family and it's just one of those things where um you know i enjoy eating i enjoy drinking and uh you know knowing how to kind of prepare stuff was just um um, a passion of mine i just love being able to kind of share that um whether it's in restaurants and hotels or whether it be just with friends and family at the house i love when i see someone that's taken their passion and become successful with it i mean that's the goal yeah that's, that's it you know so i love when someone's achieved it um I'm curious. One meal left. What are you cooking? Oh, um, man, that is hard. Um, 
you know, I grew up, but my, the one dish my mom always made that I love was a uh, pot roast. Um, just kind of a, mm-hmm. a home style pot roast with potatoes classic, and yeah. veggies. <laughs> like that's got to be up there. Um, I'd say it'd probably be that. Um, I do a lot of steak and baked potatoes and stuff at the house. So it, that's a favorite of mine, but I think I have it so often that it's just like some of those dishes that you remember from, uh, you know, childhood that you just don't make as mm-hmm. much or definitely. The nostalgia that comes yeah, with it. Yeah, that and uh, she made a lot of uh, King Ranch chicken uh, casserole. Um, I think that was every... Uh, I grew up on that. Texas, yeah, I think every Texas mother has some uh, version of the King Ranch casserole oh, yeah. from the 90s or, uh, you know, 2000s. But, yeah, um, I enjoyed that. I don't think it would be a last meal, but that is kind of another one of those meals that you just... I don't really make it home, but mm-hmm. uh, it's something you remember from childhood. But yeah, no, I, I, we're finally getting into pot roast season now. We're starting to get more and more requests for that at, at the shop as well, and it's it's cool to see that whenever I see people ordering uh, like chuck roast and stuff like that. I was like, man, I should, I need to cut one for myself and get this <laughs> done at home. But uh, problem is, is working so much during deer season. It's like, all right, I guess you know it is nice and throw it in the crock pot and uh, have it ready to go. Definitely. Yeah, that's great. Well, what else we got? Um, I can sit here and ask questions all day. I really kind of <laughs> want to ask you about aliens. I don't know why, but it's uh, I asked the first, last guest was Ben Masters, and I opened it up with aliens, and I feel like that might be <laughs> tradition now. I mean, you spent a lot of times in the outdoors. I mean, yeah. Um, you have any fun alien stories? No, no, no alien stories. I um, I will say, as a kid, um, growing up and going out on Lake Travis, um. You know, back then, Austin was a lot smaller. Travis is kind of a, like, Travis is kind of, uh, you know, sunken, so there's um, hills all around it. Um, and I will say, as a kid, it was really cool. A lot of times, we had uh, be out on my parents' houseboat. The weather is nice. We'd sleep outside, just getting to see all the shooting stars, satellites. Um, UFOs. Yeah, I, love it. I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. I can definitively say anything was a UFO. I think uh, at that age, everything's a UFO, right? Uh, I was like, yeah. I have no idea what that is. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, well, there was one day, we're, uh, one night we were coming, uh, or I don't know if we were coming back into the harbor or what we were doing, but we were moving, and all of a sudden you just see hundreds and hundreds of streaks coming through the sky, and I guess it was... Um, it was a space shuttle or something was running in the no, atmosphere. Starlink. Yeah, it might have been <laughs> yeah. Starlink. Um, but no, I don't know that I've uh, even in Colorado, um, kind of camping and being out there. Um, you know, it's it's one of those dark sky uh, country where you don't have all the city lights to kind of affect your view. Um, there's definitely stuff you see up in the sky that you know you don't have an explanation for, but. Uh, no uh, close encounters of the third kind. <laughs> not that, a bummer. Not uh, yet. Yeah, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> not yet. Hope, I don't know. I guess hopefully one day, but I don't know if that's a hopefully. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. With iPhones now, as long as you get a good video, you know, it'd be worth it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It might just be uh, Mr. Burns, uh, you know, exposed from the radiation or whatever. <laughs> there from you the go. Simpsons. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've, uh, it is nice. I will say I, I, I do love. Um, that part of Texas going out to like Davis Mountains, mm-hmm. um, great hunting out there, but it's also um, kind of the eastern uh, portion of the Dark Skies territory um, in that area of the U.S. And it's it's really cool to be able to get out there and just kind of see, um, you know, what's up skies. There. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, the same skies that, you know, our ancestors were mm-hmm. looking at. So 
it's pretty cool to have that kind of connection. But um, I don't know. Uh, no probing and no uh, <laughs> close encounters for me. That made me think of uh, the first time I went out to the uh, Guadalupe Mountains, you know, West Texas, highest yeah. point in Texas out there in that national park. And I went out there solo and I was like, I just want to go up to Guadalupe Peak and, you know, do that hike. And so I went out there, got there. I woke up maybe 5 a.m., drove out there, got there about 11 a.m., noon, go check in, get the backcountry permit to go hike. And I don't know why they were messing with me or what, but the lady, the park ranger who gave me the backcountry permit said, yeah, you know, you're the only permit tonight. I was like, okay, you didn't need to tell me that. <laughs> you know, things. And she also told me that the guy who just came down a few hours before me saw a mountain lion last night. So I'm like, again, d d I do not need to know this information, you know. Yeah. And so I hike up there and, you know, it's a wonderful time. You know, I go up to the peak. You can, you can camp, um, I guess, about a half mile below the peak and had a great time, great night, you know, went to sleep. Um, Woke up, did the sunrise on the peak, and hiked back down. And as I was coming back down, I had two people stop me, and they were like, hey, was that you with the red flashing light? I'm like, don't know what you're talking about. You know, and go down. Another person asked me, I was like, hey, you with the red light? I'm like, not a clue what you're talking about. Again, I get down to the park rangers, and um, they started asking me, like, what was that red light? I'm like, I don't have a clue. And so apparently somewhere where I was up in the mountains, there was some red flashing light. Um, so did he know he was missing for seven days? Yeah, yeah. 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 A week later, you're <laughs> So I don't know why it made me think of it, but just going out to West Texas, I was, you know, you're the only one up there, and there's yeah. a mountain lion last night. I was like, thank you, ma'am. That's <laughs> really that. cool, yeah. Um, last time I got to go to Big Bend, uh, we were one of the um, only permits in the little backcountry part mm -hmm. we were in. We actually, you know, you had to do a little four-wheeling to get back there, and uh, it was cool. There's is me and my wife and a buddy of ours um he actually does uh, has an outdoor company called outdoor eats that helps people um come up with uh, different recipes for outdoor cooking it's, it's a really cool thing so we've we've kind of partnered a little bit and he's used some of our meats and jerky and stuff and some of his recipes but we're out there to film for one of his shows and uh it's just cool being out there just uh, we actually had to clear a bunch of cattle out of our uh out of our campsite before we got there because they run them, uh, you know, there along the, the river. But, um, yeah, I mean, you see all kinds of stuff with, uh, you know, like you said, Starlink, mm -hmm. like, you know, there's just yeah. very Starlink. busy sky up there. Just yeah. like, what is going on? Uh, that was the first time I saw the, the Milky Way with, you know, just my naked eye, yeah. you know, laying there in the tent looking up. You're like, oh, wow, that's, yeah. that's actually it right there, you know? No, yeah, I love, uh, I was actually... Uh, that group of friends is out at Big Bend this weekend, but with deer season, I wasn't able to go. But um, yeah, it's one of my favorite places to go. It's a, I mean, it is a little bit of a lengthy drive, um, even though it is still in Texas, but um, it's just beautiful country out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. I meant to ask you earlier, I can't think of the guy's name. He owns the restaurant in East Austin that serves a lot of wild game, Diadu. Oh, Diadue? Yeah. Um, who is that? I cannot remember his name for the life of me now, but um, yeah, they. They do a lot of uh, whole animals as well. Um, one of my friends, Alice, she actually used to be the pastry chef for Daidue for a while. When you say um, whole animal, I mean, is that like a pig on a stick coming out? I mean, well, no, but that, they'll get in whole hogs, butcher them down. Oh, and I see they even get in like sides of uh, venison, break that down, and base their menu off of those different cuts. Oh, um, which is a great concept. I love seeing restaurants do that kind of stuff where it's like. Yeah, I can order in case after case in New York strips or ribeyes or whatever, or I can, you know, challenge myself a little bit, bring in a whole side, and then you've got different cuts that you've, 
you know, have to do something with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them are great for steak. Some are great for roasting, stewing, stuff like that. His so, name is Jesse. Jesse? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Daidua is well, definitely one of our go-tos. We love uh, going over there. When we were living in South Austin, we'd, we'd eat there quite a bit. But, nice. Um, yeah, it's really cool. They have all those uh, Neil Guy uh, Euros all around the restaurant. Um, just kind of creepy looking almost. Those, <laughs> those Neil Guy uh, Euros. Uh, like a giant sheep head. Yeah, well, it's like, uh, you know, it has the black, um, you know, the black horns. I mean, what do they call them? Like devil horse or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're just gigantic creatures, but they're um, uh, the Euro on them. It's just that stark white with the black uh, horns. Kind of creepy look to yeah. it. I think they have the Neil Guy ceviche there. Oh, really? I've heard heard of it. I haven't had it. I haven't had it either. It's been a while since we've been there. I may have to bring that back up on the list to go check it out again. But um, yeah, it's cool seeing that. I know. Um, I think Hudson's on the Bend. Uh, their restaurant just opened back up. Oh, did um, they? Um, Six Twenty. Yeah. 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 Um, I live out that way. Yeah, we've talked to them a little bit about doing some of the stuff. I don't know where they're getting their wild game from. But I've, I've um, been there once. I had elk. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool um, having restaurants like that here. Um, you know, I think uh, we had Lonesome Dove. I'm not sure if he's if Tim Love's still downtown, but Lonesome Dove's kind of known for that as well. Doing a lot of wild game. Um, yep. It's cool getting to see you know Texas game on menus, um, which just isn't uh, that popular. Broken Arrow Ranch, I think, does a lot of a lot of that as well. It's just gotta have a big operation to do it it's just expensive to do that under either state or usda inspection because mm -hmm. you know you gotta have a trailer out there it's got to be harvested and processed uh, pretty quickly after after it's killed so what are your go-to austin restaurants man um i will say at work um i'm a sucker for mexican food so we're next to habanero uh tex-mex cafe right there on mm -hmm. old tour um i love that place it's probably uh you know a staple on my uh lunch spot uh at least a couple times a week um grew up going to fonda san miguel i love that um matt's el rancho um used to go to Threadgills a bunch over there was that off of lamar that one um, shut down yeah it did um yeah, honestly, the more and more I kind of think about it, a lot of the staples that we used to go to are uh, clearing out, like Frisco Shop over there on Burnett. We used to do all of their chopsteaks and a lot of stuff there. I grew up going there. Yeah, yeah. I remember I, when it was right here on the corner of Koenig and Burnett, yeah. where, where the Walgreens was. Was, that, was, it, was it still Frisco Shop? or Frisco For a while Nighthawk. it was called uh, Nighthawk, yeah. Frisco Nighthawk was, the, I believe, the original. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember... Uh, a lot of times we'd go there for lunch. Um, we grew up going to Burger Tex over there off of Burnett, which is gone. Um, Hillbirds right over here off 38th yeah, Street. Yeah, I'm glad to see Dan's is still uh, going strong. That was one that uh, I just love. Like that's uh, we go to that one over there off of 2222 quite a bit. Um, but I mean, I'll probably get hung for this, but it's probably one of my favorite burgers in town. <laughs> I, I love I love going yeah. and sitting down and eating a Dan's burger. And, for, and uh, onion rings, but um, that's probably my favorite hamburger in town. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember uh, Holiday House in Terrytown? Yeah, it had been a long time. Uh, I but grew yeah. up right down the street from it, so that oh was, really? That was the spot when we were kids. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's cool seeing that, you know, a few of the places are still hung on. But, um, yeah, it seems like every year brings another closure of, uh, you know, some longtime Austin restaurant or institution. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, when do we open in Hudson's Wild Game Steakhouse? I want in. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of restaurants coming up uh, available. Trust me, I've, I've got a, a buddy, Andy. We've been talking about a sandwich shop for probably three years now, and – he always sends me properties and stuff. Is like, I think uh, Bill Miller's closed over here off of uh, yeah. Burnett. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that'd be a really good sandwich shop. I agree. <laughs> That's a pretty big location. It's probably four or five thousand square feet in there. Yeah, it is. It is. I don't know. It it's it has a sign saying "coming soon." I don't know what's going in there, but um, you know, as these places close, it is cool getting to see some of the younger chefs and some of the new talent um, open, but. Yeah, I still miss me some uh, thread gills sometimes. Just some of that good old southern, uh, you know, fried chicken. And, oh yeah, and we go to um, quality seafood quite a bit too. Um, oh, Carol the over there, at quality mm-hmm. seafood. Um, whenever I'm in the mood for some fried shrimp or some sort of fried seafood, we we make a trip over there. Um, but yeah, that that place has been there for like almost a hundred years or something. Quality wow. seafood's been around forever. Yeah, that's probably a list, yeah, but a lot, a lot of Tex-Mex. Yeah. yeah. That's go-to for me, too. Yeah, yeah we, just, to beat. we don't really go to a whole lot of steakhouses because whenever I, you know, own in a meat market, whenever <laughs> yeah, I want to steak, it's, yeah, it's pretty uh-huh. easy to just, you know, grab me one of the men cuts and uh, <laughs> bring it home, and uh, that's dinner a lot of nights whenever awesome. I can't think of anything else. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part about having a bunch of elk backstrap. You yeah, right. You home three nights a week, and then you go to a steakhouse, and you're like, ah. It's okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, when, when you know how to make it at home, it's it's hard to go out and uh, spend the money and, uh, you know, critique of, like, well, I would have done this. Different. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, to bring us home, um, what's uh, anything else on Hudson's you'd like to talk about? Or what do you see for the next, you know, next five, ten years? You know, anything coming up? I know you have the new location, potentially seafood. Um, anything else going on? No, um, you know, we're trying to expand our uh, retail offerings. Um, we've kind of moved a lot of our stuff to online, so we're trying to make it a little easier for people all over Texas to try, um, you know, our sausage and steaks and everything we do um, here in Austin. Um, but no, I mean, we're, we've kind of played with the idea of uh, opening up another uh, just storefront that would just be, um, you know, no deer processing, but just another storefront somewhere in Austin. Um, I imagine as the years go, it'll be harder and harder for us to process there on South Congress. So, you know, we've kind of opened the door to start looking around for, um, you know, maybe doing a storefront somewhere and moving a lot of the processing off to somewhere that makes a little more sense. Um, you know, with the city of Austin energy, it, uh, makes it pretty expensive, uh, to operate where we do. So, Yeah, I think as things go, we're just kind of trying to look around and see um, where it makes sense to, you know, get another storefront and kind of uh, expand what we what we do. That's great. Yeah. Well, I wish you the absolute best of luck, and we'll, we'll definitely you. be bringing you some more meat. Um, yeah, I know, I know Forrest will be. I, <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's rubbing off on me. I'm getting the hunting bug. Oh, there you bad, go. So yeah, yeah. I'll be coming in. It just takes. I know it. I had to, that Neil guy uh, hunt kind of got me going, and that's when we started talking about the elk hunt that we did in uh, Colorado, and now, now that sprung more hunt, uh, you know, 
hunting talk. Um, when we, we work with a few guides and, um, there's a lot more, uh, elk being harvested here in Texas. Um, so I think that's probably my next hunt is going to be a Texas elk. A Texas elk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, well, let me know where you're headed. All right. I'll, I'll hit you up. But yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah. He's, uh, one of our guys just has a rancher, a few ranchers that he works with that just, you know, elk are pretty hard on the environment. They eat a lot. They hard on fences. So a lot of these ranchers. They taste you know, delicious. Yeah, I want them gone. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was like, I think I've got to work through a little more of my <laughs> freezer, and then, and then maybe start looking for another one. Hey, I'm open. We'll take the podcast on the road from that's the right. there you camp, go. You know? There you go. Yeah, like meat eater style or <laughs> yep. whatever. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. that, that's cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. There's a lot of uh, good places to hunt here in Texas, and we're, we're lucky to be here for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We greatly appreciate your time. Do you mind telling everyone website and social where they can find Hudson's? And Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find us at uh, HudsonMeatMarket.com. Um, that'll have our storefront, um, any information about deer and wild game processing. You can reach out to us at the website. Um, you can find us at 1800 South Congress in Austin, uh, 1405 State Street in Marble Falls. Um, but yeah, the best way to find us is on the web at uh, HudsonMeatMarket.com. But feel free to email us or give us a call. We're always happy to help. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you for all, all you right. do. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Yes, sir. Yep. Take care. Cool. Hell yeah. There we go. All right.